I hope that the flow of funds moving northwest is going to be better, but I think funds could always move around the country more from London, whether that's in VC or whether that's anything to do with you know any kind of business. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, it's that's not a particularly a concern of ours, and it's not something that we see an impact of. We have great yeah. founders, and there is absolutely money available to invest in businesses. On the show today, we're talking to Olivia Greenberg. She is the Chief Growth Officer at Nova, and she works closely with startup founders and business leaders, breathing life into new ideas, which is, let's be frank, what we need right now during this slightly uncertain period of time. This is Tech Talks. It's your twice-weekly tech podcast with myself, David Savage, where we talk to leaders from across the industry and bring you a bit of technology news. Joining me today is Akish. Keish, you're in the office again. I am in the office and I'm in a meeting room because, believe it or not, there's quite a few people on the sales floor and it's a bit loud. There's it, it, it's, it's the ones that like to talk and have a bit of banter and have some chat, you know, not the not the quiet ones. You know who you are if you're listening to this. <laughs> Basically, people have gone in not to do any work. Yeah, I think there's a plan for a for a curry and a few beers after work. But, um. Yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> well, to be fair, you know what? I think people can be forgiven for that. And I mm. think that's probably why offices exist now, right? Mm. Yeah, it's a social meetup with the people you work with. Yeah. And you do a bit of work at the same time. Works, home is for work, mm. the office is for play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that that's the message that we should be saying, but you know what? No. It's kind of true. No. Let's be honest, it's true. Exactly. I've been playing in the office since... Uh, yeah, for, for a long time, for those that work with me. Um, well, I was talk- I was talking to our boss earlier, and, and uh, I was like, oh, you're in the office again? He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, oh, I think Sean, one of our colleagues was in yesterday. He went, no, no, Sean wasn't, because I know that, because I was here, and he wasn't. He's like, right, do you want a medal or something? You've been there every day. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair to him, to be fair to him I-, I thought I was quite early, and he was already in this morning, so, uh, yeah. Oh, he's loving it. He just wants to get out of the house, let's be honest. I think he does. I think he does. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Right. Talking of getting out of the house and and escaping our little bubble, today's interview is is all the way from Liverpool. Ooh. Yeah. um, We often find ourselves talking to people uh, in Leeds, in Manchester, but not as often Liverpool. So it's fun to take a trip up to Merseyside. We're talking to Nova and Olivia Greenwood is our guest. So we'll hand over to the interview and then we'll come back with some commentary afterwards. So on today's show, we're joined by Olivia. You're the chief chief growth officer rather at uh, Nova. How are you this morning? I'm fine. I also often stumble over those words. So uh, yeah, that's the easiest to say. All the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm good, thanks. The sun is trying to come out through a very cloudy morning, despite what I said earlier here in Liverpool. Yes. uh, Yeah, all good, thanks. How are you? Yes, not too bad. Not too bad, thanks. The the sun is struggling down here in the southeast as well, I'll be honest. It's kind of every now and then it looks like it's going to throw it down and then it kind of (laughs) Looks quite promising, yeah. so I'm not sure which way it's going to go. Well, not to, um, not to be too British and talk about the weather at the beginning of this show, but I was very oh, pleased. I, I, talk <laughs> I was very pleased to find out that um, the bank holiday. We had the most glorious bank holiday here. It was very very warm, sunbathing weather. Everybody had a fantastic time, and I believe down south there was a lot of rain, and it wasn't particularly pleasant. So that's always I, nice was, when that happens. It was pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> No, like no, no excuses. That whole week, I think it was, I felt I felt awful because I, I saw that a lot of my friends and connections and colleagues and stuff they'd taken that week for their staycation, and then it just threw it down everywhere. Oh, such a shame! Such yes. a shame. 
Well, um, that's, that's us. That's Britain for you. Yeah, exactly. I, I suppose everyone just expected. Yeah. Anyway, uh, look, Nova, and and we are Nova online, right? Uh, if anyone's looking on on something uh, on on one of your social channels, yeah. if someone hasn't come across Nova before, who are you? Okay, so we are ultimately we're venture builders. We partner with passionate, knowledgeable entrepreneurs to turn their ideas into successful, scalable startups. Um, we're much more than a traditional VC, which is why we use the term venture builders. It's a relatively new term. Uh, people don't always understand it. But we offer experience delivery, advisory and marketing teams alongside our own investment funds. So we're truly partnering with founders to build a business together. That must be an interesting thing to be doing at the moment, because I would imagine pre-pandemic, um, you may have wanted to really get quite hands on and get in front of these people and or or was it more of a virtual service am i making an assumption here that's not correct <laughs> yeah no not at all it is not a virtual service we um when we were all in a, in a, when we worked from offices you know our founders um shared you know they had co-working space in our office and spent a lot of time working with us um to be honest with you though it's not really made any difference to our business in terms of working with our founders there have been mm. some challenges which I can come on to talk to but you know ultimately we we have about 30 active invested businesses that we've co-founded at the moment we're at various stages some have only started with us in the last couple of months and some we've been working with for two to three years we assume that our businesses are going to kind of leave the nest at some point um, because they need to go out into the world and stand on their own two feet and some do that quicker than others um you know, we're completely sector agnostic. We've got businesses working um, in healthcare, in fintech, edtech, and it's not really made that much of a difference. So other than the fact that we're doing a lot by Zoom or Hangouts or whatever other video channels we like to use, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we're still working ahead. So, the, you know, the biggest challenge that we've faced has been lack of investments. So it's not lack of founders yeah. wanting to build businesses. In fact, you know, our pipeline of founders has gone up, if anything, during this time, as you would imagine. Um, but yeah, the, the investment, it's, it's been tricky, particularly in the early parts, you know, investment funds pretty much dried up completely for a period of time and investment funds are the lifeblood of our business. They keep our teams going in order to support the businesses that we're working with. So that's been tricky, but it's now starting to look, so all the, the floodgates are starting to open again and that's starting to move, which is great. I think what we've been able to do, which I'm really proud of is not only keep our team employed and not furloughed, but up. By doing that, we've been able to keep working with businesses. So businesses haven't had to stop because we've had to stop. We're still there and able to support them through this period. If carrying on was the right thing to do in a couple of instances, you know, pausing has been the right thing to do during lockdown. It's interesting that you mentioned about funding in particular and the floodgates are beginning to open again. I mean, there were, there were a lot of reports that the Northwest was beginning to be a, a great hub you know, Manchester often obviously gets talked about, but yeah. Manchester and Liverpool as, as as hubs for startups. And there was a growing kind of community in terms of events after work, et cetera, et cetera. But people always still talk about London being kind of the magnet for the VC community and people from, from regional parts of the UK having to come to London to get in front of those investors. Could the pandemic actually be quite liberating in as much as there isn't that necessity to go well we've got to get in front we've got to get on a train down to london we've got to get in front of these people and therefore funding might flow around the country a little bit more freely yeah, it's a really interesting question i suppose because we work out of liverpool and we have been able to fund and work with businesses we don't see the world in that way but i understand mm. that the majority of people do think that that's where everything goes on and you know there's been times we've thought in the past you know 
we have even kind of set up office you know kind of virtual offices but you know being in London and felt that we needed to be part of the scene and it just hasn't panned out for us like that so I guess I'm thinking about it for us our source of founders you know we have founders from all over the country and actually all over the world and we're currently in partnership with a setting up a co-foundry in Singapore actually running our model over, over in Singapore so I think I hope that the flow of funds moving northwest is going to be better but I think funds could always move around the country more from London, whether that's in VC or whether that's anything to do with, you know, any kind of business. Um, But ultimately it's, that's not a particularly a concern of ours and it's not something that we see an impact of. We have great founders and there is absolutely money available to invest in businesses. Now, you mentioned before that actually not a huge amount has really changed when dealing with your founders, but you you said there that you'd had people who'd been in the program for a couple of years versus people who'd started in the last couple of months. I suppose there might be some changes at that very initial stage in terms of thinking about how a company is structured and so on. I mean, what what changes have you advised as as a consequence of what's happened over the last six months? We've kind of given the same advice to all our founders, uh, and it really, I don't think it does matter so much for them what stage they're at. Um, except that in the very early stages, I guess, you know, you're not selling a product that's already been built. You're trying to learn what people actually want and getting in front of people is a little bit more challenging. But in terms of the, the kind of major change brought about by the pandemic, I think most importantly, we advise people to embrace change, you know, get on in that mindset that change is a great force for disruption. And ultimately, creating a tech startup is all about disruption and creativity. So I think more specifically, it's, you know, it's things like, just be informed, know what's going on out there so that you can kind of pick up on opportunities and threats to your business and address them. So just making sure that you've got decent sources of information that are well curated so they're not overwhelming, mm. but at the same time give you what you need, that you understand what national schemes, have, you know, there's been some great national schemes out there from the government and the business, British Business Bank. There's also some great local schemes from um, people like the Growth Hubs, which I know are all over the country. And there's also, you know, the kind of not-for-profits, newsletters, funded organizations like Tech Nation and Capital Enterprise. So I think there's lots of sources of information. Um, So knowing them, number one. Number two, I think, talk to people. Like share what's going on with you, learn from people, get inspired. I think, you know, there's tons of brilliant online events. Um, You know, I find myself getting tempted to join all kinds of things. So I think probably one piece of advice that we give people is like, Focus on what's important to you because you could otherwise spend a lot of time learning things you don't need to know. But build your network alongside that. Talk to founders, other founders, talk to other business owners, talk to your customers and users about your challenges and theirs. Just to jump in Mm. on that point, whilst there are a lot of online events, it is a little bit harder to do the organic meet and greet thing that kind of happened at events afterwards. So you can go and you can get information, but it's far more of a one-way flow, right? Yeah. Or would you say, you know, have you picked up any tips that help you organically network even when you sat in your living room and so is everyone else? Yeah, um, so that's a really good point. So I, um, we work quite closely with Ash Moria of Lean Stack and we've attended a number of kind of mentoring support events with him and as groups in those events you know we've tried to connect afterwards um and it's worked in some ways and not but often what you kind of need to do is just reach i think reach out to individuals if you know there's an individual at that event can be quite difficult but trying to make a contact subsequently you know in the same way that you might try and make contacts through linkedin or or whatever i think that's probably the best way but not it's the best way if they're cold contacts i think the best way to build your network generally is through 
your own network. So getting introductions to other people or asking around, does anybody know? So we have a lot of that on our, our founders. We have a WhatsApp group for our founders and for our employees alike. We all share information there to support one another. And it's been particularly active during COVID. But there's a lot of shout outs. Does anybody know anyone who's got this problem? Does anybody know anyone who does this? And and that, so I think that networking from a central, if you're starting from zero, it might be harder. If you've got a group that you're already within, I think building out from that group is probably the way to go. Now, look, uh, one thing that I found quite interesting, you, you, look, pulling back the curtain on the podcast, in, in preparation for it, you sent across some points uh, that, that might be worthwhile uh, talking about. And, and one stood out in particular because you sent over, you know, when the shit hits the fan or founders better off acting tactically or reacting or taking a step back and thinking strategically before acting. And about a year ago, we had someone called Sophie Devonshire on the show who had a book out called Super Fast uh, Lead at Speed. Um, and in there, she talks a lot about the positives, uh, the positive aspect of editing and, and, and that ability to take a step back. And, you know, everyone talks about moving, moving at pace, moving at speed, but she talks a lot more about velocity and it was the direction as well as the pace and the ability mm. to, to step back. So when, when you put that in there as a, this might be worth talking about, what was that driven by and what experiences, what positive outcomes do you think there are from taking a step back that maybe are sometimes overlooked? Yeah. I think it probably came from the fact that being in a startup, being the main person in a startup, being the product manager, working in a startup is just crazy busy. It's, you know, there's always a million, there's way too many things to do. There's never enough of you. And it's all about execution and execution leading to learning. That doesn't mean there, should, there shouldn't be strategy, but that, that was what was driving the question because whilst mm. I, I do buy into that, at Nova, we're, we make sure that that pause for breath, that editing, as you mentioned, you know, that time to take stock, helicopter view, whatever you want to call it, we build that into our approach. So we make sure that whilst whilst we recognize everyone's going to be caught up in the day-to-day who's in the business, that there's a mechanic and some tools that support them to kind of raise their head above the parapet and look at things in a different way. So I think with COVID in particular, you know, if this is like a major global change, we don't yet even understand um, how this is going to pan out so to think that you can just carry on as normal and and just keep going at 100 miles an hour is naive I think conversely thinking that you can kind of take a step back and think strategically too far into the future is naive too so it is definitely a balance I think many things with with me are a balance but um that that was really what was behind the question it's something that we've wrestled with quite a bit I think during this time what's the balance between stopping and pausing versus carrying on how do you balance that with the need that 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 insatiable kind of uh need for growth that often comes from the vc community yeah. that i suppose is the counterpoint to the idea of slowing down and editing mm. it's interesting that you say that i suppose you know we have our own investment fund and we whilst of course we push for growth because we're co-founding the businesses together because we're essentially in the business too it's not growth at all costs also, other VCs that I've been speaking to, you know, they, ha- they, they have recognized that some of their businesses are, were better off pausing at this stage in time and, and, yeah. and reserving funds to take advantage of, you know, of the, of the change, changes as they happen in the future. So I guess, I've, you know, whilst that might be the way of the world pre-COVID, I don't think it is the way of the VC world during COVID. Um, I think we've, we've had to take a lot more care over our investments and go, what's right? For, it's certainly been our approach. What's right for this business? How can we 
we've not just kind of accepted. So we've, we've got a number of businesses in the hospitality industry and retail, you know, and, and I think at the beginning, a lot of those businesses were of the mindset that, right, may as well just sit down and do nothing for however long this is going to go on for, because what can we do? But actually, we, we asked all of our businesses to do a really old school exercise, really, which was some risk planning. Um, and it was a great exercise to do. It it made people take stock of what opportunities there might be. And some really interesting things came out of that. So whilst pausing was necessary for some, we did make sure that our founders looked at what opportunities they could do. And some it was about preparing for when they were able to, when they're able to kind of reopen for business in a digital sense. And for others, it's actually kind of, you know, um, growing their pipeline and for others actually able to make some sales or, or new partnerships with a view to what might happen next. So look, this time has been difficult for a lot of people. I think I think it's 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 interesting talking to even my colleagues to see the different kind of emotional reactions to how uh the pandemic, not even just just so much lockdown, but just the changes of being out of the office environment as, as regularly mm-hmm. has kind of had on them. Um do you think how do you think founders in particular are coping with it emotionally? Because often a business is very personality driven at that initial stage and it's someone's idea it's their passion i imagine from talking to people over over the years you get that strong sense that they feed off that energy and that team environment and that hustle you know you talk people talk about hustle all the time that must be a difficult thing for people to suddenly maintain that energy yet be sat on their own and isolated yeah so absolutely 100 percent. i think the types of founders, we don't, you know, there's a stereotype of what the typical founder is, and it's the person you've just described there, I think. They're not, yeah. the, they're not the only types of founders that we invest in. We invest in people, knowledgeable, passionate people. And so, therefore, um, I think there's been a gamut of different emotions. Some people have handled it really well, <laughs> and some people have found it much more challenging. I think, first and foremost, the best founders are actually resilient people. So, whatever their need for you know their extrovert introvert tendencies for want of a better way of saying it they just have to be um resilient because it's inevitable they're going to end up kind of going through that paul graham's trough of sorrow not just once but repeatedly it's going to happen and so that's a trait we look for all our founders in pre-investment anyway and i think there are things though you can learn you know you can train yourself to um if, if you're not dealing with a situation well if you, or if you're not resilient what can you do and i think these are very personal things. So we we have an open line to all of our founders to, to be able to support them. But I think things like, you know, knowing that we're behind them, that we still believe in their business, that it's not, you know, just because we're go- it's and that it's normal. So I think sometimes giving people that context, like, yes, you're having, you know what? Yes, you've had 10 knockbacks in a row and it just feels like this business isn't going to go anywhere in the world against you. But actually, this is normal. There's a name for it. It's called the trough of sorrow. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think that that sometimes that really helps just saying it's normal. And then, you know, asking people to kind of like making sure they've got confidence in their mission, thinking positively, like in a negative situation, trying to find the positives and and work those through. Um, You know, in terms of this kind of working at home versus not working at home, I think we've been able to maintain both within Nova, but also within our wider network of businesses that we work with. We're still working really closely together. So, yes, it's at arm's length, but I think most of us have become much more used to that way of working now. Um, 
I'm someone personally who it's not really an issue for. I've worked like this for quite a long time. Or That's not that I don't ever have face-to-face contact. I do, but it suits me well. I guess, it's, of course, it doesn't suit others so well. And we, we've just tried to kind of build networks in different ways. And even some kind of, you know, not just necessarily around work, but also around just kind of like social interaction. So mm-hmm. that, there, there are the other strategies that we've employed. But yeah, it's tough. It's, and people go on a journey, don't they? You know, some people who are like really positive at the beginning, you know, have hit lows along the way. Um, it's the same, I guess, the COVID journey of working from home and in isolation is the same as that of starting a startup. It's, there's many bumps along the way. And you just, you know, if you've got good people around you and a support network, then that will get you through. But also ultimately having that, your startup, you know, that drive, that resilience, that passion, that's the one thing that's really going to take it forward. So look, as, as a quick finish, finishing question, and I think, um, is, look, it's good to try and find the, the positives and, and the lessons that we can take from the last six months uh, forward. What, whatever happens with regards to working environments and so on uh, further down the line, what do you think you've, you'll, you'll take from this experience that will strengthen Nova? That's a really good question. We've adapted really well. <laughs> we have adapted really well. Ultimately, I think this situation not only seems to have improved Nova, it, it seems, I think we've all adapted really well to working remotely. I think we have become a leaner, meaner machine, not meaner, a leaner, nicer machine. <laughs> but we've, we, we, you know, it, it's made us sharpen, us sharpen ourselves up a little bit. And I think it's done that for the businesses we work with. So pretty overwhelmingly, I would say that this situation has been beneficial both to Nova and to the majority of our businesses. Um, I know it's really early days. And so who knows where we're going to be in six or 12 months time. But I think this situation has kind of been a catalyst for action where previously there may have been inertia. And that's both internally to our business, internally to the businesses that we're invested in and in the broader world, you know, our customers, our users. Look, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you this morning. Uh, I hope the day does turn out to be a lovely one in Liverpool. Mm, Not so sure. (laughs) (laughs) And have a lovely weekend. All right. Thank you. Lovely to talk to you too. Right. There's, there's bucket loads that we could unpack in this. Um, Akish, anything that stood out to you in particular? Uh, she, I, I thought she would have a, a Scouse accent, but uh, <laughs> when, when you said, good to dive into the content there, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is not, yeah, this is, this is not a Scouse accent. Um, no, just in terms of, I guess where where the where we are as as the world, so to speak, at the mm. moment, and it's what we've been talking about before, right? Um, in terms of where organisations are going, where they're heading, and and, and the kind of challenges and. It's good to see how organisations are kind of thriving, and obviously at, at, at the place you know where there's various organisations, and I'm sure not one size fits all, and not one issue is the same. Just to see kind of how you know they are growing, and and, and kind of what what challenges they're coming up against. So it's just good to see that, really. Yeah, it's, it, there's a lot of positive messages there, and I think I think mm. one of the things that she talks about in the interview is what we look for before we invest is thinking positively, and she talks about the best founders being resilient people it doesn't matter whether you're an extrovert or an introvert you're going to visit the trough of sorrow but it's thinking positively that gets you through that yeah and it's it's all about the um you know you, you see it all over the internet you, you get the the you know mark zuckerberg's of the world the jeff bezos the uh elon musk's you know these sorts of people that have started businesses or, or ideas and are now kind of global leaders uh within kind of their various fields and if you read their books or, or kind of you know read their kind of 
interviews and that sort of stuff, it's always a case of there are always times where they're in that kind of, you know, the depths of hell, so to speak, and and now they've come back on top, um, you know, and, and, and I think that is the testament to why organisations like theirs grow and, and, and keep developing. Um, but also, if you look closer, we've had some great stories on here. I mean, we've had, you know, Pfizer recently completely changed their model. We've had Ian, um, you know, talk about Telemer and, and kind of from where, not necessarily in the in the depths, but, you know, from where they've kind of just completely relaunched, revamped. And that is, is a testament to, you know, kind of what we were talking about right at the start of this lockdown period, where a lot of organisations will grow and they will challenge the kind of big names and they'll come out of nowhere. Um, and before you know it, you know, we'll be, um, we'll be talking about them as if they've been around for years. So yeah, that's, um, it's good to see. I found it very interesting, this kind of idea around how important strategy is or isn't at the minute. Cause I know that at the minute getting our strategy, right, is very important to most businesses. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's opportunities at the minute to be had. There's, there's a difficult market and therefore your strategy has to be right to take advantage of it. And they yeah. kind of flip that a little bit on its head. You know, she talks about the fact that it, there's never enough of you. So it's all about execution. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean that there shouldn't be a strategy, but a helicopter view, which is not something I'd heard it referred to before, but a helicopter view is built into the process to make you get about the the trenches, look at things a little bit differently. And actually the idea of a strategy where you take a wholesale step back and try and look into the future is perhaps naive at the moment. Um, Because you can't look that far into the future. And, And perhaps strategy is wedding yourself to a set of ideas that you might find will change very rapidly. I think I think it's I don't know. You, you could say words like being pragmatic, being forward thinking, being you know kind of uh, adaptable to change. But I think for the first time in, in a bloody long time, or in my lifetime that I can remember, where organisations I think just need to be completely fluid. You know, mm. it's it's almost don't overthink things. You know, don't anyone who started last year off with a five year plan has got gone out the window. Yeah. Right? Anyone that started this year. Mate, a five-month plan field. Yeah, exactly, exactly. With an annual plan, has gone out the bloody window. I think take it quarter by quarter, maybe. Um, take it, you know, on a, on a kind of monthly basis um, or, you know, kind of six-month basis, half years, and then kind of, you know, that, that will allow you to, to do certain things because, like we've seen this week, we all got used to some sort of normality, meeting loads of people, or, or you know, meeting up to thirty people to be politically correct. Did you um, do that though? I, I can't remember the last time I met thirty people in one no, go. I, I don't feel like the rule of six really changes much for me, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I still I mean, went to a restaurant last night, but it was a group of four of us. We can still yeah, do that I, next week. Yeah, no, anyway. I think the most people I met was about ten. But the, the the point being, um, there's there's sudden mindset changes and businesses. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, and and businesses need to adapt. Um, furlough schemes, people, um, you know, kind of even illnesses. And we that we 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 talk about COVID, we talk about the strategy, finances, size, all this sort of stuff, but we don't actually talk about illness in the workforce. Hmm. You know, we don't actually talk about people being laid off or or God forbid, you know, people passing away or influential people passing away. You know, we don't know what this virus does. We don't know its long-term repercussions. But yet we never talk about that. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So I think it's I think it's very naive for businesses to kind of just set out this this strategy and these goals 
just be pragmatic. And I think the best leaders or, or the ones with the most potential in leading and, and strategizing will be the ones that are able to think quickly, are able to adapt, but also take a few punches in, in the, you know, kind of in the, in the face whilst they're, uh, they're dealing with it. So, yeah. I thought it was a really positive message to hear that the VC community is beginning to recognize that, that, that pausing is of benefit. Um, and obviously Nova are co-founders of the businesses so that changes the dynamic a bit, but growth is not, um, the absolute be all and end all, um, mm. which is a message, you know, that is beginning to permeate. And we've, we've mentioned on the podcast and a number of times over the, over the last year, but beginning to permeate throughout the, uh, the industry, you know, move fast and break things has, has kind of been rejected as, as as a mode of responsible leadership. But generally speaking, the VC community was still characterized as looking for growth. Hmm. And now maybe that's not the case. Now maybe it's, I think Olivia refers to organizations keeping hold of their resources. And I suppose yeah. being pragmatic like you were talking about. Yeah, and, and also just having that duty of care, I think, if I was to think about a VC or a VC, you know, a, a, a group of investors, I think phew, maybe not the right time. You know, sit on your cash for a little bit, you know, maybe, you know, maybe the, the, the wife has been telling you to do some home improvements or buy a house, you know, these sorts of things. Look, look after the cash, you know, rather than be aggressive in that kind of growth or, or, or kind of strategy. But I think where she's saying that obviously VCs are now not just after growth and, and rapid acceleration, it's a bit more of, right, what's the effects? You know, how can we kind of get around this? Um, but I also think that VCs at the moment, they're probably looking at the market and going, more than ever before, the market's just been opened up. There's a lot more products. There's a lot more businesses. You know, there will be people that have ideas that will serve the need of businesses and industries that have been severely hit by COVID. And I think VCs will probably look at that and go, that's my opportunity. You know, mm. that's what we need to do. Or, or there'll be businesses that will be able to release a product or launch something which will help companies come out of where we are at the moment. And that will be, you know, kind of where it is. I mean, look, look at Blimin Zoom. Like, you know, if there was, you know, they went up exponentially. We've had them here on, on the pod, right? We've, we've had them um, speaking to us and, and look at where they're, subscriptions where their kind of you know customer uh, numbers went throughout lockdown something like that i'm not saying another zoom is going to get created but you know something like that i mean do you remember when house party got created i'm sure for yeah you know the app right so i'm sure within that kind of monthly period um they went through the roof and, and whoever kind of invented it for here we are we're in and that's obviously died down a little bit now but you know, it, it it takes one idea and it takes, you know, one bit of kind of segment in the market and it can spread like wildfire, um, mm. which is exciting. And I think the barriers to entry, that probably aren't that high anymore. I don't know if you agree with me there, but they, they well, are. Like, I, think the fact, I, I think the fact that Nova are obviously being so successful and, and attracting, you know, the Northwest is growing as an ecosystem is showing that there are low barriers. You know, this idea that you yeah. have to be in London, the VC community are in London, yada, yada, yeah. yada. That's kind of old hat. Mm, yeah, exactly. You can be anywhere in the blooming world now, um, as we found, you know. Yeah, even though you're, you're in the office. I'm in the office. I, I don't live too <laughs> far away from the office, but yeah. Um, 
but yeah, you know, we've um, we've met with with clients, we've had talks, um, you know, all over the world, and 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 that's that's yeah, blimmin' amazing. To be fair. Yeah, yeah. So. Olivia, thank you for being our guest. We're going to take a short pause, and when we come back, we're talking about robots. So this is news that robots can be used in UK care homes to reduce loneliness. Machines can hold simple conversations and have been found to improve mental health. Let me give you a bit of information here. Um, Robots can hold simple conversations and learn people's interests. They are being deployed in UK care homes after an international trial found they boosted mental health and reduced loneliness. The wheeled robots, called Pepper, move independently and gesture with robotic arms and hands and are designed to be culturally competent, which means that after some initial programming, they learn about the interests and backgrounds of care home residents. This allows them to uh, initiate rudimentary conversations, play residents' favourite music, teach them languages, and offer practical help, including uh, medicine reminders. Mm. So they could load it up with the cultural history of uh, Indian cricket for you. That would be pretty good, wouldn't it? You could then kind of like have conversations about why England were better than India or yeah. bits and pieces. Yeah, I, I heard about, first of all, I heard this on the radio a couple of days ago and I thought it was yeah. quite interesting. It's a load of research from the University of Bedfordshire and they, they literally were saying that, you know, if if someone is from a different culture, you can load up a whole load of cultural nuances that the robot yeah. will then, to make them feel more comfortable. So, and, and how, how do you load it up? You, you program it in a certain way. Well, I guess, yeah. How do you load anything? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's that's crazy, that is. I mean, I'll be perfectly honest. Medicine reminders, I, I'm 35. My wife's 33. We take meds and regularly forget that we're supposed to. So God knows what I'll be like when I'm 70. I think I think that's useful. Mm, definitely. And also, it might be useful for, for kind of other things, just reminders and I think maybe businesses that work across various countries and, you know, kind of cultures, is, would it be good for that? You know, if you're working in a new market to understand the, the kind of people, understand operationally, I, I don't know. Seems, I'm not I'm not sure. I'm not sure here. I'm, I'm not really good with robots, to be fair. No, but I think it's, I think it's amazing. That <laughs> I think it's amazing that if you think about it, if you've ever had a, a like an elderly relative in a care home, they always do seem to go downhill quite fast. And I suppose it's because there are long periods of time where you worry that they're just sat on their own and they're not really mentally mm, engaged. Engaged, yeah, yeah. And yeah. even if a robot's asking fairly open questions, if it's just making that person use their brain a little bit more and stay engaged, um, mm. that's really important. Yeah, providing a bit of stimulus, I think. And in the UK alone, right, there are over, 50, according to the report, 15,000 people over 100 years of age, and that figure's only going to increase. Um, so, yeah. How many of them are in the royal family? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I don't Sorry. think the royal family needs a robot. They no. <laughs> probably anyway. just think it was normal anyway. They probably used to someone walking around just talking to them, asking them open-ended questions. <laughs> oh dear yeah but i know i thought that was a really nice story um it's tech being used for good um as long as it's not alexa on wheels and and pepper remains kind of an academic thing that's really genuinely there to help people rather than sell them shit um you'd have your granny or your granddad running up some bill and you're being like what the hell is this they've bought how much on Fortnite?" um (laughs) but it's a good thing it's a good thing 
Definitely. Let, let, let's see more of that. That's yeah. Great. Right. Uh, Akish, I'll let you go. You, you're probably hankering to get home, right? What time is it? 4.35? No, mate. I've got a few bits to do. But, oh, um, look at you. Look at you. Soldiering on. Well, yeah. You know, as someone said, in the new normal, work is where your laptop is. So if my laptop's with me and I'm sat in a pub in 20 minutes, then I'm working. That's so, very no true. It does annoy exactly. me this whole like back to work mantra from the government. I've I've been working for five months. Don't tell me to get back to work. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Anyway, uh, right, we've, okay. we've been grafting. No yeah. problem. <laughs> Talk to you soon. See you later, mate.